So tonight's passage is from Luke 24, and it's verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They find the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Amen. Thank you, Mark. That's awesome. I've got that there. I have no idea what that means, and I can't read music, so that's fun. I'll leave that there. I'm not going to touch it. Just want to add my welcome uh, to Dave's. If I've not met you, my name's Paul, and I'm one of the, the ministers, one of the leaders here, uh, and we're going to be looking at this passage. But let's just pray before we do. Father, we just pray that you would come and open our hearts to what you want to say, what you want to do, Lord. We just lay it all down and, and surrender everything to you. We pray, Lord, that um, your word would fall on good ground, on, on good soil, and that, Father, it would bear fruit and it would grow, and that, Father, hope would rise uh, tonight, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you'll have seen me uh, take a strip of linen from the tree. It's not toilet paper, don't worry. It's not being from the toilet. It's definitely linen or uh, cotton. Uh, and that's going to come into play a little bit later on. Um, so keep your eye on that thing over there. I was preparing this and looking at uh, the talk and reading through it. And I was thinking about strips of linen. There's just that line there, strips of linen. Paul, uh, Peter saw strips of linen and that, what that might symbolize, what that might mean. And I was thinking uh, a little bit about my uh, journey and the hopes that I've had, the things that I've seen and the sort of connections that I've um, had with, with hope and God doing something amazing. And I was thinking about the uh, Outer Hebrides revival uh, that's 70 plus years ago. I'm told this is the Outer Hebrides. I basically put an image uh, in Wordswag and that came up. I think that's the Outer Hebrides. It might not be. Mark's nodding his head. Yeah, I think we're all right. The Outer Hebrides, north of Scotland. Let me get this right. I've been there once. An amazing move of God happened. And basically what happened is there's two elderly ladies, two sisters, and they were praying because they were really dissatisfied with how people were at that time, that people didn't go to church, that people were really uninspired in their faith. They begin to pray in the morning, crying out to God. They, one lady was 82, one was 84, and they would pray in the morning. One was almost bent over double uh, with back problems, and one was partially blind. And these two sisters prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that God would do something amazing. And they were so full of faith and they were so convinced that something was going to happen that they invited a minister to come and they said, will you come and actually will you, be, will you provide the teaching because God's going to do a great thing and we're going to need someone to teach all these people that we're going to turn to Jesus. And the guy couldn't do it. And they're like, no, 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 you need to come. 
because God's going to do something amazing. Amazingly, his diary got changed, rearranged, and so on. And eventually he came, and he was the one that actually spoke to the people when this presence of God came. I was able to go up to uh, the 70th anniversary of um, the revival and hear from people who were really old and people who were saying that I remember uh, my grandparents telling me this story, I remember this, I remember that. People who had kind of witnessed it, people who have heard stories about it, be on the land where the presence of God was. And basically what happened was the presence of God descended in such a heavy way that people were kneeling down on the side of the road. They couldn't walk. The presence of God was so heavy in the Outer Hebrides at this time because the presence of God was so strong on them. So strong that fishing boats would come in and just be drawn into the harbor and they would, the fishermen would just get off and just wander onto the shore and say, where, where can we go to, to find Jesus? Where, how can we be saved? How can we become a Christian? A police station that was there was rammed with 300 people because the people knew that there was a Christian policeman that worked in the police station. They rammed into it. And it's just an incredible move. And I think it's the last revival in the UK that happened in 1949. And I remember going there with the guys that um, founded Try Praying uh, in Edinburgh. You'll have seen it on all the buses. Try Praying, Try Praying, Try Praying. And the three of us went up and we went round this pilgrim, if you like. We went round the land and we walked and we talked to people and we heard stories. But then we went to the church. The church that was absolutely rammed with people. The church where the minister that these two elderly ladies in their 80s had invited the guy to come and speak and preach. And I remember we turned up late and we couldn't get in and I found a back door and was like, let's just sneak in. So we snuck in the back door and we went into the church and we just stood there for ages and we just pictured and imagined people rammed in there just under the presence of God, just desperate and hungry to know about Jesus, to know that Jesus is alive and the people that gave their lives to Jesus and I remember standing on the carpet thinking, wow, I wonder who stood in this place. I wonder who encountered God at this time. I wonder what it was like. And I picked away at the carpet that was there, an old carpet, and I stuffed it in my Bible. And in my Bible is this little thread that I have as a little bookmark. And for me, it's not a strip of linen, it's a thread of carpet, it's a strip of thread, it's a strip of carpet. And when I see it, and when I have it in my Bible, I was like, oh Lord, do something amazing, do it again. It's a strip, a piece of hope, that God does the miraculous, God does the amazing thing, that God can turn graves uh, into gardens, that the presence of God can fall in such a way that people are just falling on their knees and crawling to church. They're desperate for God. I don't want God to do that again, recreate that. I think he does new things and he does what he will. But God, do something amazing. And for me, it's a little symbol of hope that God does incredible things to elderly ladies, praying it in, seeing incredible move of God. We're going to look at this context and this, this passage. And if we can get the verse, I'm going to invite Josh to come up. Josh is going to help me with a, a little bit of a drum heartbeat going on in the background. He's going to stay there for a little while because we're going to go through what's happened. But I just want to set the scene for what has gone on here. I want you to imagine the followers of Jesus and the excitement that they felt. These were people who were just blown away by Jesus, blown away by his miracles, by his love, by his generosity. These were people who watched and learned from this guy who just did everything upside down. 
who just offended all the religious people, who just went around loving people and caring for people. And I want you to imagine their hearts beating because Jesus is very much alive at this moment. Jesus is in the room. Jesus is walking and talking with his followers and they're witnessing it and they're seeing it and they're watching it and he's healing people and he's feeding people and he's caring for the poor and he's standing with the marginalized and he's telling people to to not sin anymore he's telling people that their sins are forgiven he's telling people that they are free to go he's loving people that people don't love he's offending people left right and center and he's bringing in the kingdom of god imagine their hearts beating imagine their hearts beating Jesus is alive and well. This is their rabbi. This is their teacher. This is the guy that they're looking to and learning from. And he's alive and well. His heart is there for the poor. And they see it. They experience it. Then Good Friday comes. And he goes to the cross. And they watch this rabbi die. They watch him get stripped and beaten and pinned to a cross. And then they witness him die. Heartbeat stops. Welcome to Good Friday. The one that they've loved and respected and thought, oh my gosh, this is our savior. This is the one. Suddenly his heart stopped beating. He's like, no, that doesn't make sense. That wasn't supposed to happen. Jesus, you weren't supposed to die. Like you, you were the one, like you were the way. You were the one that we were following, like you were making sense of our world. This wasn't supposed to happen. No heartbeat. Jesus has died. There was a moment when the lights went out and death had claimed its victory. They experienced loss, grief, confusion. They were disillusioned. They were hopeless. Maybe for some, that's some of the words that you might use of how you're feeling at the moment. And we know that the followers were hopeless, that they didn't have the faith that Jesus was going to do what he said he was going to do because they didn't go to the tomb. They didn't go to the place where he had died. You don't hang around a graveyard. Despite Jesus saying them that he would rise again, they didn't go to the tomb. They didn't make the journey. They didn't pay the visit. They were stuck, as Libby said this morning, stuck in Good Friday, the death of Jesus. But we know that they were hopeless and they didn't believe and they didn't have the faith because B, they let the women go to the tomb. I know that sounds awful, but in that culture at that time, women weren't allowed to be a witness. And if they'd have believed actually that Jesus had risen from the dead and he was going to be in the tomb, there's no way in that culture, in that setting, they would have allowed the women to go and see that first. They, were, they allowed the women to go. The women could go to the tomb. The women as well that's caught in our passage, they weren't thinking that Jesus was alive either. The heartbeat had stopped for them. Do you know why? Because they were bringing spices. You don't rub spices on a living body. They were bringing spices to a rotten corpse. Because in that culture, in that setting, you would rub these spices into the linen. And you would bind the body and you, you would allow it to preserve the body and for it to, to smell, to disguise the smell, if you like. These women were there with spices. But they were surprised by hope because when they got to the tomb, they found 
that there was two angels shining like lightning. Two angels that were there just declaring that Jesus is alive. They're there at the tomb and their hearts beating again. Could it be? Could it be that Jesus is good at his word, good for his word? Could it be that he's alive and well, that Jesus is here? Could it be? They think he's a gardener. Of course he is a gardener. He's the gardener of our soul. He creates and recreates and uproots in our hearts. But here they, they thought he was the gardener. And they encounter Jesus. And Jesus is alive. And he says, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? Wow, let's just stop there. There's the sermon right there, isn't it? Why do we look for the living in the dead? Where do we look for, for the living in the dead? We look in the wrong places sometimes. And he says to them, it's not here. Alive and well. Their hearts beating and pounding and they go. And then the rest of them don't believe them. But then Peter does because he runs. Feel the heartbeat of Peter. Is he alive? Is he well? Is this true? Is Jesus there at the tomb? Has he risen? Is he good for his word? And he gets to the tomb. He didn't die, don't worry. He's still alive and well. Josh, you can go down. Let's give Josh a big round of applause. Peter gets to the tomb. And when he gets to the tomb, his hope is restored. See, the women were there. Their hope was restored. They encountered Jesus. They met Jesus. Had that conversation right there. But for Peter, his hope was restored because he didn't find Jesus at the tomb. He found something different. He found strips of linen. Strips of linen that once bound a corpse. Peter was intrigued by that. I was drawn to this when I was writing that talk, just that phrase, strips of linen. And I was like, wow, for Peter, that was it. Like, it was that that got his attention that made him curious, that made him be intrigued about it. When I was a, a teenager, um, I went to Egypt with my parents, and I visited a, a mummy. And I remember seeing this um, mummy, a mummified person, with, uh, just literally in these grave clothes, wrapped in these uh, linen, this cloth. It was quite freaky, to be honest. It kind of, I probably had nightmares for the past few weeks afterwards. But just seeing a mummy was just really powerful. This image of death, this image of what was living but bound up in cloth. A picture of what was, a reminder of, of what isn't there anymore. This striking image. And Peter would have expected a bound-up body, wrapped in linen, clinging to a dead corpse. These strips of linen were associated with death. And let's be honest, death being the ultimate, the full stop. However, in this story, there's more than the full stop. It's not full stop, the end. It's not death, full stop, the end. But there's another line. There's another sentence. There's another paragraph. There's another chapter. There's another page. And it's a never-ending story because Jesus conquered death. It didn't stop there. It wasn't the full stop. There was more. And for me, that fills me with hope. 
Because even when we don't know what the next chapter is, we know the author. Even when we don't know what it looks like, we can have hope because we know that God is restoring and making all things new. The linen was left behind. The things that bound Jesus, the things that clung to him, left behind. It's a reminder of a symbol of death, the very thing that no longer holds him. Peter saw the strips of linen, and I think it says in in the verse, it says that they were lying by themselves. Oh my gosh. They weren't lying on his body. They weren't bound and holding him. They were lying by themselves. These bits of cloth that should have been, could have been on his body, holding it all together, were just lying by themselves. What a striking image. And it was that that Peter was drawn to. These bits of linen that were left, discarded, redundant, lying by themselves. I imagine when he holds the strips of linen, it's then he thinks, could it actually be? Could it be? For the women, they'd remember that Jesus had said that he was going to come back to life. For Peter, he's looking at these strips of linen and he's thinking, has this really happened? Is this really what has gone on? As he holds the linen and he looks at it. I wonder what it is for you. What are your strips of linen? What are your symbols of hope? What are the things that keep you curious? What are the things that keep you searching and longing and looking for more of Jesus to discover his life living in your context and where you are? Maybe you're here today and you're visiting. Maybe it's your first time in church. And maybe you've been thinking, what on earth was all them songs about? What was that about? What was that reading about? Like, what is Paul going on about? Why is he holding a piece of toilet roll? What is he going on about? Maybe you're intrigued tonight and think, oh my gosh, you know, like the bits of linen, there's enough there for me to explore. There's enough there to keep me intrigued. There's enough there for me to explore and search. Maybe you're watching this later on. Maybe you've been, uh, someone's telling you about this. But what is it that's keeping you intrigued? Verse 12 says, he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Churches all around the world run the Alpha course. P's and G's have got an Alpha course coming up, and you check out on the website. But that's a perfect opportunity for some of your friends, flatmates, work colleagues, uh, family members who maybe don't know if Jesus is alive and well. Maybe just to come, maybe for a strip of linen to be like, could it be? Could this be real? Could this be true? Is Jesus really who he said he was? Did he really, uh, was he really resurrected? Is he really alive and well? See, for me, these are symbols of hope. The thread in my Bible is a symbol of hope, a piece of material that God can do incredible things. It's a reminder. But I wonder if at times I'm guilty of wearing the grave clothes. I wonder if at times I'm I'm guilty of wearing an old mindset, wearing an old narrative, living out of an old story, and not living in actually the reality of Jesus being alive and well. I wonder if at times I'm looking for the living amongst the dead, 
maybe if I get the perfect job, maybe if I find the perfect partner, maybe if I get enough money, maybe if I get this, all these questions that we can ask ourselves that maybe never really fully satisfy. That actually Jesus is the life in capital letters. Jesus is the life, the way, the truth, and the life, and all that we need. We sing that song, Hillsong, if you left, if you left the grave behind you, so will I. So will I. If you left Jesus, if Jesus, if you left the grave behind you, so will I. See, Jesus left the strips of linen on the floor. He didn't clean it all up and gather it all up and kind of, he just left it on the floor. It's like, that's no longer part of it. I'm, I'm no longer dead. I'm now alive and well. We need to look for and choose to look for these strips of linen, these symbols and images of hope, these things that remind us that God is good, that he's alive and well. Maybe that's your friend, that's your church, that's your connect group. Maybe it's your uh, reading in the morning. Maybe it's worship songs. But we need to cling to these things that are, uh, bring us life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Proverbs 13. When we don't have hope, our heart gets sick. We need hope. Brené Brown said we need hope like we need air. We need hope like we need air. I love the company outside in Saturday meal of, of being using their hats and uh, their socks and stuff that they've been donating, but they have jumpers that say hope, sweet hope. And I love that. I love it. P's and G's, uh, the counseling service, they hold on to hope. I remember when I first arrived at Peace and Jesus and walking through the counseling at uh, number 40, just outside, and I kept hit, getting hit by this word hope, 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 and talking to them, and I said, oh, that's amazing, and they said, yeah, that's because we hold hope for people, people that maybe haven't got any hope for themselves. We hold hope for people. What an incredible thing. Dave mentioned in his prayer, but just the people of Ukraine Maybe their strip of linen, that piece of hope that they look to and they think, oh my gosh, like this is hopeful that God can do something. Maybe it's because they're gathering together. Maybe it's their prayer time, the same time. Maybe it's that psalm that they're reading together as a community, a little strip of hope, something that they cling to, something that they look to. Saturday just gone was, was Easter Saturday and um, for Saturday meal, this is a ministry that has been running in the church for five or six years now, and they, people come in, and they sit down, they have a meal, and they find community, and it's a safe space. But on Saturday, uh, every guest got an Easter egg. They got this egg that they could take away at the end. And what an image of new life, an egg being an image of new life in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the pain. Some of the guests that come are sleeping rough. Some of them are sleeping on someone's couch. Some of them are in between work. Some of them have had a difficult background. Some people just want community and want friendship. But to be able to give each and every guest an Easter egg that they may never get an Easter egg, may never got an Easter egg for years, maybe didn't even get one as a kid, to give an Easter egg to each guest as a symbol of life and hope stone that was rolled away that Jesus is alive but sometimes we need to hold hope for one another because life can be tough life can be hard and we need someone here holding our hand up and someone here holding our hand up while the battle rages on and we need people to hold hope for us to point us to the signs of life the strips of linen the things that keep us intrigued that Jesus is alive and well I want to encourage us to hold hope for one another 
in the church. Hold hope for your friends. Hold hope for your non-Christian friends. Hold, hold hope for your neighbors. Hold hope for your community, for your workplaces, for your universities, your halls of residence. And an amazing, encouraging reminder of a community gathering round recently uh, where we live uh, in Portobello. There's a kid at the school who got really sick and he had a whole lot of treatment and it seemed to work and that was great and he was brought back to school and then he got sick again and he got really sick. And um, the, the NHS have said that there's nothing they can, they can do for him beyond this. They, they've tried everything and the whole school's like, oh, and the parents are obviously devastated but there's one thing that they can try but it costs a quarter of a million pounds and it's overseas, and obviously they're desperately trying to get this kid the treatment that they want. And when you kind of see a target like that, and you're like, ah, I ain't gonna do that, can't do that, can't reach that alone. What was incredible was that the community at Portobello rallied around, and suddenly people were saying, let's just do face painting, let's get everybody on the prom, let's charge people crazy amounts of money to get their kids face painted, let's do contactless, let's do an auction, let's get pizza, let's sell pizza. The local tattoo shop said, okay, if you come to my tattoo parlor and you get a tattoo, any tattoo that you want, any money that you, may, you uh, pay for the tattoo, I'm just going to give it to the kid, I'm just going to give it away because we need to raise that money. Daisy, you'd have been in heaven, I was kind of thinking, what tattoo could I get? I came back with a massive mermaid on my back, I didn't, I didn't, but I was tempted. There's room. <laughs> but what an image of hope. Like when, when, when the parents are, are running out of hope and, then, and the people saying, I don't actually know what else we can do. For a community, whatever happens, whatever the outcome is, for a community to rally around and say, you know what, we've got this. We're going to carry your hope. We're going to show you the strips of linen. We're going to be there for you and we're going to rally around you and we're going to support you and we're going to love you and we're going to hold hope for you in this time. Let's be people who choose hope. Let's be people who remember that Jesus is alive and well, no matter how dark it gets. Let's remember the journey from Good Friday through to Easter Sunday, that Jesus conquered death, the very thing that felt like the ultimate full stop. There's a next sentence. There's a next page. There's a book because Jesus has conquered the very thing that seems to be the ultimate. So what do you need hope in? Maybe you need to come to Jesus and say, God, I'm going to choose to look for hope and to have hope in you, Jesus. Whatever the outcome, we can't always control that. It's not always how we imagine it. But I'm going to choose to have hope in you, that you are making all things new, that you are alive and well, and you are with me. In a moment, the band are going to come up. And for those that want to, I'd invite you just to come and just to grab one of these. Maybe you're going to grab it for someone who you know just needs hope at the moment. You don't need to take this. You just pull it off. Our intern, Christina, did this. She spent ages stamping them. But it slides off like that. And you keep that. There'll be these little tags left on. But maybe you want to use it as a bookmark. Maybe you want to tie it around when you pray in the morning. Maybe you want to do something with that. But just see it as an image, as a symbol of hope that Jesus left the grave closed behind. There's nothing that Jesus can't do conquered death. He left the strips of linen in that tomb. I invite you to stand if you're able. I invite the band to come. Let me just pray as well while the guys get set up. Maybe you want to um, just position yourself to be in a place where you're sort of open to what God might have been saying to you through all of that. Maybe you want to put your hands out in front of you. 
We just say, come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, come. And I just have this picture, as soon as I say that, just this picture of a massive, like, clay jug that has just been poured into people's hearts. Massive clay jug full of water, pure water that's just been poured into our hearts. And he's just filling it to overflow. And he's allowing things just to rise to the surface. And for some of that, it's been flushed out and it's been washed away. And for others, it's stuff that's rising to the surface. Maybe it's, it's a memory or it's something that you know you need to put right. And it's like as the Spirit of God's poured in you and that thing rises to the surface, God wants you to do something about that. He wants you to do but it for the purpose of healing and restoration, for the purpose of life. Jesus, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, come. And again, just this, this picture in my mind's eye, but just of Jesus reaching into the heart uh, of each person and just turning the dial, turning the dial on, on the thermostat, just increasing the, the heat of his love, the presence of his kingdom, turning the dial up maybe for you to hear his voice clearer. Jesus, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are alive and well. There's nothing can hold you, not even grave clothes. Nothing can hold you, Jesus. And I just pray, Father, that as we worship and remember that you are alive and well, that, Father, we take this opportunity and that, Father, we would take something away. It would symbolize something. It would symbolize hope, maybe for us or for others, that we just want to carry with us as a reminder that there's nothing, Lord Jesus, better than you. There's nothing that's impossible for you, that we can cling to you and to your hope, Lord Jesus.